world where people strive to conquer the digital landscape, the best leaders are moving forward and planting flags. This is the Oil & Gas Digital Doers podcast, where you can hear about the thrill of digital victory and the industry's best guidance on how to win with your host, Michael O'Sullivan. And that does get us to our guest today. I'm sitting here uh, in the remote configuration with Mr. Brent Coombe, who is beaming in from uh, sunny, warm Calgary, Canada, I imagine, right? Is it? Uh, we, we haven't had the weather conversation yet, but uh, I, I, is it, it's tropical up there right now, right? You got the, uh, well, I can see you're not wearing a Hawaiian shirt, but, but uh, I, I know. It's delightful, it's, I, delightful. I know, I know right after this, you're going to go outside and do some sunbathing. Yeah. Yeah. We, we got sun coming in the windows, but it is not warm outside. I'll tell you it's that. Not, it's, uh, yeah, it's below yeah. freezing right now. Yeah. In the middle of the day. That's so that's, um, that's like uninhabitable, right? Like why, why do people, it's always boggled my mind, like why people live in places where it's, it's, uh, and that's, and that's not even really cold for you, right? I mean, this is, you're, you, you, no, it's, this is warm for me right now. Yeah. It's it's five degrees below freezing. It's, yeah, it's, it's nice, but, um, yeah, yeah, it's all right. You get used to it for sure. I mean, I like like skiing in the winter sports, so so it's, uh, it's manageable. Are you are you able to move in the winter? Like you like the blood still flows and everything, and you can go out and, and go and yeah. go skiing. <laughs> yeah, you can, you gotta dress for it. You gotta dress for it. Yeah, put the, yeah. Well, that's yeah. So that's what um, it reminds me. Uh, so some of my Norwegian friends always used to say, uh, "There's no such thing as bad weather, only bad clothing." That was that was one of their favorite sayings. So um, I disagree. Uh, spending my whole adult life here in Houston, um, I don't. Uh, yeah, if it's if it's below sixty five Fahrenheit, I'm just really not interested. In, in just the, don't go outside in the weather. <laughs> yeah, we'll, <laughs> so, we'll say it's it's a dry cold here. It's good. You can dress. It's for a dry. It. It's Houston, a dry cold, right? Houston, right. you can't really dress for the cold. It just goes through everything. So it well, it's true. And it, what makes it worse here is that, uh, like, it'll be, so I'm going to do this in Fahrenheit, but you can convert it to your language, but, uh, uh, yeah. like, it'll be 75 in the, in the winter, like, one day, like, during the day, it could be 75 degrees, right? So that's, that's well above room temperature, whatever that is for, was that, like, 18 for you or something like that? Yeah, and, something, something like that, yeah. Yeah. And then, and then, and then you wake up the next morning and it's, and it's in the 30s, right? And so you know, so close to freezing. So all of a sudden that feels, you know, when it was warm yesterday and it's cold today, that feels really cold when that happens. You don't, you don't, you're like your body doesn't get a chance to adjust. So, so, so there is that, there's that, there's that, there's an element of harshness in Houston weathers, I mean, Houston winters, although I, I'm sure you probably don't agree. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's all good. <laughs> we manage, we manage. <laughs> so I do right. like my, uh, my Houston vacation, so I'll call them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. So the next time you're down here, um, make sure it's in the summer and, and, uh, yeah. then I, then I can make fun of you. Um, exactly. all right. So enough, enough about the weather. Uh, what are we talking about? All right. So, so Brent is from, uh, this company, Intercorp. Do you guys, do you say the P on the end, Intercorp or Intercorp? Enter- and Intercorp. Yeah. There is Intercorp. a P on the end. Yeah. Okay. Intercorp. Yeah. So, and um, and this is kind of a follow up episode to one that we did a few months ago on the other show on the Oil and Gas Tech Show, uh, where we had um, your your former president 
uh, Mark Freeman, right? Mark Mark was on the was on the show uh, talking about some of the, some of this stuff, and we had this plan where uh, we, we were going to do one episode on the tech show, and we'd come back later on Digital Doers, and because we talked about the technology then, and then we were going to come back to Digital Doers and maybe tell some stories about how it's you know making people's lives better, and um, and 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 Mark's not there anyway, so he left you holding the bag. So <laughs> I guess so, so yeah. So <laughs> passing the reins. <laughs> so Brent just stepped in. Um, so before we get to, so we are, so we are going to do that before we get to that. Uh, so the little, the little that I know about you, we just met each other five minutes ago, but what I gathered is that, uh, you, you, you went to school to be a mechanical engineer, but you really wanted to play with robots. And, um, and so you did some of that, uh, for a while and then you ended up, uh, working for, um, for this company Tesco, which later got, I think, acquired by Neighbors or something, um, and uh, and and you did that for some period of time, and then a few years ago you came to Intercourt where they uh, hired you to take over something called the War Room. Um, so I want to hear more about the War Room. But so, what else about your background? Who, who how did you get to where you are right now? For sure, yeah, yeah. So studied uh, mechanical engineering and um, really had a had a strong aptitude for for things that move and um, you know that that draw towards robotics and and um, and automation, right? Um, in the so Tesco and and neighbors in the in the drilling space, um, automated yeah. pipe handling was the was the name of the game. Um, you know, automating the rig floor operations, make break machines, top drives, casing running tools. How can we make that process of basically getting to the bottom faster? Um, you know, tripping the pipe in and out of the hole um, mm-hmm. as fast yeah. as we can with with automated equipment. So that's that's kind of where it started. Um, and then, you know, going through that whole process, um, you know, and getting getting deep into into that and and just automation in general. I mean, automation does at some point become just straight automation. It's, it's how can we, you know, accomplish something that, that a human traditionally does and, um, you know, make it, uh, make it automatic. Right. Right. Um, right. So, so it was kind of a, a, I don't want to say an easy transition, but a, a simple transition into more of the, um, at Intercorp, what we, we do with automation is, you know, our process automation with Uflowback, which, which we'll get to is as well as some of our, um, some of our uh, data automation um, and how we, you know, kind of take our, our data process flows through um, through different uh, different tools to to get the information we need into the the hands of the people that, that need to use them. So yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. So um, yeah, there's a lot of talk about. I mean, on both on the tech show and on this one, we do a lot of talk about automation uh, these days. It's just it's kind of creeping into <laughs> creeping. Um, it's, it's uh it's showing up everywhere though it's 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 showing up um i mean and it's not like uh like auto, automation isn't new in the industry right i mean i i know you're not i, I know you're not a 40 year veteran but uh but it, but you know that automation goes back some period of time right um oh for but, sure but what so just in the in the whatever uh like 10 or 15 years or whatever that you've been at this um hey, have you seen a lot is it accelerating is that cuz is is that why we hear about it so much now is because there's like like what is, what what did it look like when you started compared to what it looks like now yeah it was a definitely a lot more um I'll, I'll call it forced um when i first started you really had to to 
try and 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 dig through a lot of material and a lot of you know catalogs and things like that to find the, the actual hardware required to do the automation it was very much a, a hardware <laughs> problem is it physically possible yeah. um and now Could you automate you try to automate the catalogs that's what really what you needed to do is have a catalog really yeah it, so that. yeah <laughs> even that you, online catalogs for for parts and part numbers right is is right. kind of a big thing it makes makes my life easier now but yeah um, i bet i bet all, all these different things. So e- even from that standpoint, but, um, and now it's really become, it's transitioned into, there's so much out there as far as what's possible hardware wise. It's how do we combine all these tools and, and really get all the, um, all the, the you know, maximize the amount of data and efficiency of, of, of that system that you're, that you're designing and, and building. Um, and it's it's more focused on the data and on the back end is how can we use those that automation and the the data that comes out of automation um, to our advantage for sure. Yeah. So so comment on the data a little bit because because um, there's also a lot of talk about data these days or there has been the last few years. But it's but there again, it's not like we it's not like we haven't been generating data for a long time. So so well, with the, with the work that you're doing now, how much of it? How much of the data is is uh, and I'm asking you a how much question that I know you, there's no way to quantify, but but like how much of it is is data that it, the data has always been out there. We're just learning to use it in new ways versus this is new data that we're generating, that we're producing, that we're gathering, ga- gathering. We're gathering a lot of data. <laughs> And, and uh, <laughs> for for the strategy for which it's uh, yeah um, yeah so do you, do you know what I'm saying like how because because it seems like a lot of uh, in, in some cases we're just we, we've we're doing new things with data that's been out there for ages and in some cases we're producing new data so what what does that landscape look like totally um, it's a uh, it's a very interesting thing yeah because the data ha- you're right the data has always existed. Um, it's just how we're capturing it, the resolution of, of said data, um, and how, how that, that, that data flows. Um, so for example, I mean, um, when I started at Entercorp, I mean, and, and really the industry, um, the, the flowback industry that we're, uh, the flowback space, I should say that we're actually in, um, there's a lot of what we'll call, you know, manually, uh, recorded data of, you know, it's just guys walking around with their tally books on a location, writing down, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. observations and, and that kind of stuff, um, which is great. It's, it's data. We can, we can sure. capture that. We can, we can build scrapers and, and, and we are doing that, right? We, we capture that data and put it into more of a digital space where we can actually process and, yeah. and, and analyze yeah. that data. Um, and then as we grow and proceed more with automation that that opens up the door for the higher resolution data that the data that's actually coming from you know your transmitters and your flow meters and and, and things like that that are um you know we'll, we'll get a higher quality higher resolution data right and you just get more of the same data points right um yeah it's the data yeah. that's always existed it's just we're capturing it better yeah yeah the the clipboard probably isn't like really high resolution data but uh but well, and this is something else that I've heard, which is that um, you know sensor data has always been there's I mean the amount of sensor data that gets produced versus the amount of sensor data that gets captured like that's the thing that's changing over time, right? Like it used to be a lot of it, totally. the way I understand it, a lot of sensor data used to, I, I don't know where it went, but it, it didn't go into anything into anything useful. It just sort of like, it was, Evaporated. you know, yeah, well, if you're, 
if if you're generating data basically where its purpose is to serve whatever that function is that it's serving at that moment, and if the function only needs the data, uh, you know, uh, once a second or once every ten seconds, it doesn't matter that you're generating data every tenth of a second because all the rest of it just gets ignored, right? I mean, maybe it goes into a historian yeah. or something like that. But so so how how hard is it? So going back over these. Um, as you're getting, and and you have an interesting perspective because you you have, like you said, you you started out when you started with Intercorp, the it was it was still more the traditional kind of ways of doing things, and you're and you're and you're you're pulling all that along in this new direction, um, it, you know some of that stuff is really easy to do in the lab, so to speak, but how difficult, how disruptive is it to try to implement those things in the real world and make them work like that's where the it's like like that's a whole different problem right oh yeah you know and especially when you're trying to to make these changes while uh working at a within a, a system or a company that's that's rapidly scaling and rapidly growing so we're 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 growing and scaling based on what we're currently doing in that um uh, and competing in in a space that is um you know in that very manual uh personnel intensive and we're um, you know, Intercorp, we're different. We're always trying to 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 push the technology end of end of things and, and grow in, in that sense. And so, we're trying to change ourselves as well as also scale and grow, right? So, um, it has been a challenge. You know, changing just a simple change of no, I, I you, you don't you don't need to be writing that in your tally book anymore. I need you to record it in in this format. Um, even just that simple small change yeah, can be a yeah. big task when you have you know hundreds of operators that are. Um, you're trying to to get marching in a in the in a line, right? Hundreds of operators. Um, yeah, that. <laughs> are, are you working with hundreds of operators? Because that would be quite. Uh, yeah, okay, well, close to a hundred. <laughs> close to hundred. Yeah. Okay, so so really, hundreds, so, you are, yeah. so yeah, yeah, and so oh, these yeah, are these are like North American shale operations, right? Is if I remember correctly, is where the the business is, and uh, right. And the funny thing about that is, it's not hard to find hundreds of them. You know, like, yeah. like you probably don't even have to walk very far to, to get to, to all of those, all those people. There's plenty of them out there. Oh yeah, I know we're, yeah, we're spread over, um, you know, multiple plays, all the major, um, shale plays in, in, uh, in North America and specifically the U S you know, that we got the Permian, Delaware, um, East Texas, uh, Haynesville and, um, and, uh, South Texas. So yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay, so, stuff, so okay, and I know you got a good story about BPX, which I want to get to uh, in a minute. But let's let's so uh, let's get back to this um, this flowback because because the one thing that was fascinating to me about about Intercore the first time uh, when I first learned about what you guys are doing is just because you're you're bringing digital to this is one of those parts of the business that is like you know is the traditional heavy iron like you mentioned a little bit right people are writing stuff down on their tally books but but this is like the real mechanical industrial uh part of the business and and this is an area where like like even 20 years ago if if you would have walked up to a lot of uh the, the people running those operations and started telling them about what you want to do like hmm, they like like maybe they wouldn't necessarily throw you out of their office, but <laughs> but they wouldn't be real excited about it, right? So what? So what? So just describe the and, and so and I know there's a lot of things we could talk about. So let's just talk about the flowback where you guys because we talked about e flowback last time. What's that? What does that world look like uh, just traditionally for what goes on there? 
<laughs> for sure. Yeah. So, so Flowback, yeah, to kind of back up and, and set the framework, I guess. Um, so Flowback is what we'll consider, you know, first opening the well, right? So we've, we've just drilled the well, um, or sorry, our customers have, have drilled the well, they've fracked the well, they've pumped a whole bunch of sand down the, down the hole. Um, and they've, they've done their completions with the multiple stages. Um, they'll, what do, they'll do what's called a, a mill out or a drill out. They'll actually drill out the plugs and do a, an initial cleaning. But then flow back is really the, the first stage of the, the well's life where we're literally just first cracking that valve open and starting that production. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and basically first starting to, to make money off, off the asset that they've just invested a, a whole, right. um, whole schwack of money towards. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and so we're just getting things flowing. And as we get things flowing, I mean, that's what part of why they call it flow back, right? We're just getting things flowing. And what comes up with that initial flow is, 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 is a, a lot of sand, um, yeah. from, from the completions. And then as you know, there's a bunch of trash and, uh, and stuff that's right, left right. over from that, from that mill out process, right? You got all these, these, um, these bits of solids and particulate and th- those solids in the sand is traditionally a, a big problem for production facilities. The, the facilities are designed to, to, work with fluids, right? Your oil, water, and gas, right? Under yeah, pressure. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And things flow. You introduce sand and particulate and you got massive erosion problems and um, it, it starts to, to wear things out and, and break things down all, all the way down the line, right? Sure, um, sure. And, and so what we do is is we, we take our equipment um, and, and we install it and we basically remove that sand from the flow stream. Um, and so traditionally for, for a lot of our, our competitors, right. That, that involves just bringing out a whole ton of equipment, right. right? So we'll, we'll, we'll talk about sand separators. Um, even, you know, some also have, you know, cyclonic separators, um, they'll have test separators, which is, which they use basically as another means of just settling out sand. Right. But they put all these pieces of equipment in line between the wellhead and the production facility to knock out the sand before yeah. it gets to the end. And just, just for context. Like we're not talking about a little sand, right? We're not talking about no. a few gr- a few grains of sand here and there. Like like <laughs> like I'm at the beach and I I got some like I got some sand in my daiquiri, right? Like like this, it's a lot of sand. No, yeah, and in in some jobs, um, you know, we're over, we're in the hundreds of thousands of pounds of sand uh, yeah, over the yeah. course of a job. I think our record uh, for the Sahara piece of technology is 2,100 pounds of sand. Per hour, um, captured <laughs> per, hour. In this, in, per, per hour, yeah. Per so there's, hour, there's, yeah. there's a peak, and again, we we talk about the data, but we, we can see a peak of, of sand production of 2,100 pounds in a single hour um, through that that piece of equipment. So wow, um, wow. okay, yeah, it is a lot of sand, and it's flowing at you know again mixed in with that flow stream and through chokes, you know, at at great speeds mm-hmm. and causing a yeah. lot of erosion and tearing things up, right? So yeah, yeah. okay, so. So, so what you've described sounds like a very mechanical process. Uh, yeah, you know, you know, leaving this. I mean, even though it's a the scale of it is remarkable, but still, it's a mechanical process. How how does how does bringing digital capabilities like 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 what you just described sounds like okay? So you got some really cool equipment that filters out all the sands. Like, what do I need digital for? How does that help you? <laughs> totally. So maintaining that system, um, we, we talked about, we have this, you know, this awesome technology that's very efficient at removing that sand. Um, and, you know, that's, we, we focused a lot of our engineering energy into, you know, basically having that, that ultra premium technology that can, that can separate sand really efficiently and, you know, with minimizing pressure drop and all those things, it's a mechanical problem. Um, right. But to run that piece of technology, 
traditionally it would, would require a lot of personnel and labor um, on location to, you know, literally walk around and check on all these pieces of equipment, make sure that they're actually being dumped at, at the correct frequency. So they're not overfilling with sand, um, making sure that, you know, your pressures are balanced everywhere. It's a very, um, it's, it's a, a traditionally was a decently large operation with a lot of valves, a lot of uh, moving parts and a lot of operations. Uh, you mentioned filters. Filters was actually one of our uh, previous technologies. Again, very labor intensive as the filter packs off, we have to go in and clean mm-hmm. the filter, reinstall. There's a lot of work that goes into that. And so the the drive for, for automation came from, well, how can we be more efficient with, with our operation and take some of these these tasks and, and, and automate them so that um, our operators can can be more efficient with their time and, and run a a more efficient location. That was the start of it. Um, yeah. And then yeah. the data is almost like a, an ancillary benefit that, um, that we can then learn and, and become better um, about our operations as a whole. Yeah. So let's, um, so let's talk about that because that really is, I mean, that's the, the crown jewel of a lot of digital ambitions. Like, like the first step is what you said, which is, okay, how can we just take this existing operation, automate it, get some, get some people in safer places, you know, not have it be as labor intensive. Um, and, uh, and, you know, just, just, just changing the economics of the operation. Like that's fine. And then, then, then usually there's this thought about, okay, but just like you said, now we're getting all this data, like what can we do with it besides, you know, the basic functions and how can it, how can it change, how can it how can it teach us or help us make decisions or help us make changes to actually do things to, to not just automate the same thing but do things differently right and and I think when we were chatting before you said that you're kind of getting into that range now right where you're beginning to say now we can use this and and do things differently so what is, what does that look like for you guys totally yeah so I mean we you know, as you said we you know we started e flow back I mean those were those were the goals right is you know to reduce our HSE exposure to um, increase our our capacity our efficiency on location reduce personnel costs um, but then data yeah is that is that added benefit that ancillary benefit that we can get to um, and the data side of things what we're what we're starting to find now after operating it um, consistently consistently um, is because we've taken the time to develop a system that that is safer, that is more efficient, that has more capacity than even our our manual um, setup had in in the past. Um, we can we can run the we can open up the wells differently. We can we have the capacity to um, to, to to flow the well harder. We can we can tolerate higher sand rates. We can we're, we're not changing things as, as often as, as we would, we can follow the, our, our customer in this case, you know, the, 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 the operator or the producer, we can follow their instructions on how they want to open that well, how they want to follow that choke schedule more closely with less deviations. Um, that's one of the, the things in, in our industry, right? If we start overwhelming our equipment with sand, we got to hold back and, and kind of take a bit of a pause. Whereas yeah, with e flowback, we can kind of power through and, um, and see the benefits of that, right? We can get to that production phase faster. Um, so, so than, are uh, you? Yeah. So, what you're describing, I think, is is having the insights to be able to go into some, you know, to push things closer to whatever the, the limit is based on actual data, to, uh, as opposed to what somebody might be thinking. Like, so, so it makes me think of. Remember, okay. 
this might be before your time, but remember the the movie. Um, uh, what's the one where Bruce Willis and they got to drill a hole in the asteroid? Uh, uh, Armageddon. Uh, Armageddon, Ar- Armageddon, right? Armageddon. Yeah. Okay. So there's this there's this one scene where like they've got these these like these these drilling mobiles up there on the asteroid and they've already destroyed one of them and Ben Affleck is is running the driller right and and the drill he's running the drill and they've already like like broken all their they're on their last bit and the world's going to end if they can't get you know the the final like 200 feet of this hole or whatever it is and and he's pushing this machine like based on his own like gut instinct, he's saying, I can I can push it harder. I know I can. And everybody else is telling him, You have to stop. You're gonna right. So so somewhere there's there's whatever the designed tolerance or capability is or, or or whatever you know. And then there's and then there's what like as humans we say, but I think I can go into that margin somewhere, right? And it turned out he was yeah. right and and he saved the world. But you know, and it didn't safe. break. Yeah. Right. But but I think what you're describing is like how do we how do we do that in a more like how do we go into that range in a more scientific uh, way that we that we, that we're not incurring more risk but but we can but we can do things that maybe we didn't know we could do until we could do these analytics is that is that am I in the ballpark is that kind of like yeah, what yeah you're, no, you're talking about for for sure yeah I mean we can um, you know we can take where we can run the the way eFlowback is set up we can run the system um, very similar to, to how we ran a, a manual system. If we want to, right. We can, we can apply the same controls and the same, uh, same logic to, you know, how often we're, we're emptying the vessels and, and measuring yeah, and quantifying yeah. sand. But then because I have that excess capacity, I can, I can kind of inch towards and, and find that line um, right, in a controlled right. manner. That's also still safe and, and right. um and efficient right without without somebody like yelling at you everything. the whole time saying it's gonna blow it's gonna blow or whatever the thing is right yeah exactly yeah. we have this data feed of of all the different parameters coming in and, and the system is is kind of watching out for us right it's the system has been designed to um react to it, it can tell when things are gonna go really bad and it will shut down and do its its correct actions to you know maintain um keep it a, a, a safe site and and be without having any um, we'll call it loss of pressure containment is what we call it in industry, but, uh, basically a spill, right? Any, any leaks and, and things to the environment. Wait, wait, so, what do you call it? Lo- lo- loss of pressure. What, what was that? <laughs> L-O-P-C, loss of pressure containment. So that's a really, really bad word. Um, yeah. Loss of pressure space, containment. Right? That's uh, that's a very fancy that. way of, that's a very fancy way of saying, uh, stuff spilled out, I think. Yeah. 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 That's, uh, that's a bad day. We, and we, we don't do that. That's unacceptable at enterprise. No, right? so, sure. Sure. Um, and, but that's, again, that's why we designed the system with all the safeguards and redundancies and everything that are there. Right. Yeah. 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 And, and like you said, you've got the, you've got the data, the insights to be able to, to tell you what you're doing. All right. So the other thing that usually occurs with this sort of stuff, and I want to get to the, I, I want to get to the, the, the BPX story because, because this is oil and gas digital doers. And we're supposed to be telling stories about uh, how people are actually getting digital done. Um, but all like all of this context is really, is really good. Cause the next thing that usually happens as we're working with all this data is we say, you know what, we could put all this data in a model and then we could sort of simulate things, which it sounds like maybe you're already doing there. And then maybe we can also predict and, and um, so it, so, and, and, and just like that, the digital twin thing comes into the conversation. And that's another thing <laughs> yeah. besides automate, besides, 
besides automation, digital twins are popping up all over the place. I mean, they're everywhere. They're, they're even in like contract automation. So, um, so is that, is that, is that how it's all, uh, how, how do you see this coming together in, in, in that regard? For sure. Yeah. So, so one of the, one of the linchpin technologies we call it of, of eFlowback is, is the Sahara advanced cyclone. Um, and that's our, um, really our, our piece of a mechanical equipment. It's, it's a cyclone that, um, separates mm-hmm. the sand very efficiently from that flow stream. We can take those multiple pieces of equipment that traditionally would be aqu- required, you know, that are 50%, 60%, 70% efficient. We can blow them all away and only have a single piece of equipment that is that 97% and above efficient at removing that sand. Um, and that piece of equipment did take, I mean, it took over two years of, of engineering development, CFD analysis, um, a whole bunch of engineering hours went into that, but through that we we built um, a model, uh, an analytical model, um, which we I, I don't like the term digital twin, but it's 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 the term. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's an analytical model that we can use. We used to call them models. To, we always used to call it, it. It was always called a model yeah. until it became called a digital twin, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. It's the hot button word, so we're going to use it. Um, but but basically, it's um, an analytical model that we can we can run a simulation. Uh, very quickly and efficiently, so we're not having to do a full CFD analysis, and we can do that simulation in, at multiple different times in the in the job lifecycle. So we can do it um, before the job, you know, uh, when we're bidding with a customer and and trying to you know understand the customer's requirements, and and we can you know simulate exactly in front of them what the you know differential pressure is going to be, how much sand. Um, you know, the, the, the piece can handle how much flow rate we can, what we're going to do, yeah. what the adjustments are to the piece of equipment. And then the other, um, the next piece, we can use it to, to specify. We have a, a nozzle that we can, we can specify and, um, and basically change the, the internal operations so that it, it fits the well's estimated profile. But then the bigger part where we're really starting to see advantages, we can take the data of just, you know, the, the flow rates and everything, and we can run that, that through the simulator. And with real data, we can basically estimate the performance of that piece of equipment over the life of that piece of equipment. We can take that, that data and add it to, you know, kind of the maintenance data on the, on the back end, and we can kind of compare, okay, yeah, this piece yeah. of equipment really worked well. This one, um, you know, it, 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 you know, we had a lot of erosion. Oh, well, there's, there's why it's because we were, you know, yeah, flowing yeah. very quickly, things like that. So we can kind of get much, much smarter because we have this, this large pool of data that we're collecting at various different stages and we have this model that that predicts how the piece of equipment is going to perform. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's similar, a similar story, right, to what we see happening in a lot of parts of the industry. Um, it's just interesting that, um, you know, even here, even here in, in something uh, as as mechanical as what we is what you, you start out describing. Um, and yet we get all this, we, we can still get all this goodness from the digital stuff. Now, as you were describing all that, uh, I'm, I'm coming, my, my brain is going back to this concept of, of the war room. So, so what's, yeah. what's the, because, because you're, because you just, you just got done saying, and we can do this and we can do this and we can do this and we can do this. Well, the war room, is that, is that where the magic happens? The magic that's, happens in the war that, room? <laughs> no, that, that's exactly it. So let's, let's rewind, you know, four years ago when I started with Enercorp, that was the the position I was, I was hired for is kind of, we know we're going to, you know, again, Anacorp, we're, we're more of a technology company than a flowback company. We know we're going to be making those developments. 
we know we're going to get to this point where we have, we'll call it a war room is what we call it. But, uh, is it in a, you know, is, is it in a basement? Is it in somebody's basement? It's, it's yeah, it's, a, it's an evil lair with a bunch of screens everywhere. <laughs> <and stuff. laughs> I, it's, it's in our office in Calgary. I got four monitors set up. I can see a whole bunch of stuff at the same time. Yeah. It's, it's not yeah. that cool, but it is, it's, it's a central place for, for all the data to come in. Um, for, and now for the cloud, all the different, actually, so for everywhere, like for wherever you're doing this and all those different plays that you mentioned, you're in all these different places, right? So, you're pulling all the data from all those places back into uh, into Brent's command center, right? Yeah, <laughs> sure. We can we can we can call it that. So now with the cloud, I can actually access all the things everywhere. It's 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 really nice and easier, much easier that way. Um, but yes, technically, it, it, it's all accessible through this this big setup that we do have. We call the war room, um, but it is it's it it's it's kind of taking all these data. Um, data inputs and and we have you know visualizations through Power BI and, and different even just Excel tools and, and things like that where mm-hmm. we can monitor our performance in the field and um, and make sure that all the units we have out um, are, are running correctly for our customers I and mean, we have over 150 units out um, right now um, on wow yeah. on different locations and it's that's um, uh that's that's tremendously uh, I mean that's a tremendous amount of success um, in 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 I mean, I know Intercorp's been around longer, but but you know, I guess most of the action has happened here in the last three or four years, right? All right, so let's talk about um, so all of that goodness that you've described now, and uh, and 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 it all and it all flows back into your war room. Let's talk about BPX, uh, which for those who haven't followed all the acquisitions over the years, BPX is now BP's. Uh, like like North American shale operations, right? Which they've gotten through various acquisitions. But the point is, is that you got a great. Uh, they, they have a lot going on, and and you got some kind of a story with them. And I'm going to be honest, I don't actually know what the story is. So where where does the story start? For sure, yeah. So it it really started, um, you know, back in in 2019, 2020, um, where you know we were we were obviously working with BPX on on a lot of our locations. Um, and obviously we're trying to improve our technology, um, offering and, um, and they're also trying to improve just their operations in general relating to, to flowback. Um, and the goals and objectives, uh, on both sides were, were very aligned. And so we actually, um, approached BPX and we, we basically established a partnership, um, which basically grew through and, and became eFlowback. Um, the partnership was, was basically, um, in developing, we knew where we were going to develop a um, an automated flowback location or an automated flowback ecosystem um, of products, and um, we needed that 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 uh, that operator um, uh, input, I guess you could call it, to to um, to make sure that you know we're really hitting the nail on the head and and, and yeah, accomplishing yeah. the objectives while also staying and maintaining our risk profile and. And you know, staying true to, I mean, the the, the big push is you know reduce reduce LOPC loss of pressure containment. That's a that's a big push, just industry wide, right. right? But that's obviously a huge priority um, at BPX, and so that that was a great synergy we were able to find. And um, HSE reduc- uh, exposure reduction, right? We can um, reduce the you know the the um, the uh, safety exposure that we have to to personnel yeah, on location yeah, yeah, just yeah. by automating, and and then also get more efficient with with uh, how we're flowing these wells back how we're opening them up um right so, so all the things so so it re- <laughs> it reminds me of another movie scene <laughs> where where uh um 
uh, w- that involving the end of the world, which was uh, in Independence Day, where uh, uh, right where Jeff Goldblum and and Will Smith are standing there looking at the alien ship, and and they just got done telling everybody how they're going to fly up there and put a virus on the on the mothership, right? Do you remember this? And and uh, um, and uh, and 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 Jeff Goldblum looks at Will Smith and he says. Do you really think you can? After everybody walks away, he says, "Do you really think you can fly that thing?" And Will Smith says, um, "I don't know. Do you really think you can do all that BS you just said?" And 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 so so you had to like up until now, it's all in the lab, right? Like it's all an idea, but work. You had to find an operator to to actually get it out of the lab and out into the wild and and actually do what what uh, see if you could do what you said you were going to do. So I'm assuming that because you're telling the story that it's a success. For, for sure. Yeah, exactly. So it was a, a very long development with, with significant rigorous um, HAZOP and risk assessments and management of change procedures and, and making sure yeah, that we're, yeah. we're doing all the correct things in the correct way um, from an engineering standpoint and, and a safety standpoint. Um, but yes, we uh, since we you know, started with prototypes and well, actually, we, we started with what we'll call mechanized versions, um, where we, you know, still had operators pushing buttons, but things were, you know, semi-automated. And now we're to the yeah, point where yeah. we've gone past the the fully automated prototypes, and now we're into production units. Where, um, I mean, every every well we we open with them is, um, uh, in the Permian anyway, is um, is is running eFlowback, um, because you know we've, yeah, we've realized yeah. that that efficiency and that. Um, and that, right, right. Uh, that reduced safety profile, right? That and and environmental stewardship, everything, right? ESG, all those things are all all intertwined and related. Right, they're, just, right. they're just better with you flow back, right? So right, so all the so all that stuff you said you could do, uh, it's, it's like it's coming true. We said we could do it, yeah. and then they made sure that we yeah. actually did it, and then yeah, now we're actually, doing it, yeah. right? So yeah, 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 yeah. So so you so you actually did put the virus on the mothership and, and save the planet. Um, <laughs> It's a it's a very loose metaphor. <laughs> so, so um, all right. Uh, and, and so, what's the um, what what's the what's the what is the future? Like, I know I know you probably can't talk too much about um, you know, like up and coming things, uh, you know, because you got to comp- you know protect your competitive advantage. But like, where where does all this go? What uh, you know, once once you've once you've converted everybody and everybody's is is running this system, um, what what is the what's the future vision look like? Yeah, no, we're I mean, once we've converted everyone to what we have, sure. Um, but then there's still more yeah. technology in the technology pipeline. Um, I, I can't talk about about too much of it but but it is yeah. it, it's all automation it, it's 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 gathering more data all the time that's i mean we we listen to our customers and and that's that's where we that's what we use as our guiding light to, to drive the technology that that we develop and um you know that our customers are saying they they want more data they want more visibility they want more automation um they want all these things and it's it's just building those those ecosystems for our customers to right, to accomplish right. their objectives to basically um be more efficient at, at opening wells up right yeah 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 i i can imagine so once so the, so they say okay um well you know if we were able to do it for this thing over here then where else can we do the same kinds of things and 
presumably, I don't know, maybe this isn't true, but uh, so as you kind of move from one discipline to another or, or different types of, uh, of new ways of doing things, you know, is the culture battle already kind of won at that point? And now you just, or, or, or do, you, do you kind of still have to have to overcome some of that with each, with each different place that you go? Yeah, I think it, I think it depends on, on how we approach it. Um, the yeah the, the culture battle kind of resisting automation re- resisting process um, right uh, right you know, re- replacing jobs and and those types of things and it's just a one of those where I mean it's the direction the the industry is going and um, there's plenty of opportunity to um, to get involved and, and and be part of that growth I mean what we're gonna see is just we can do more things and accomplish more with the same people that we have is is kind of the how I look at it. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think the industry has pretty much come to terms as sort of at peace with the idea that automation, you know, the like, like there's always going to be plenty of jobs to be done. They're going to look different, and as we automate some things, it creates. Op- I mean, you know, that's this is a whole other podcast episode, and we could have a whole a whole argument on that. But but um, but in terms of just that fundamental cultural. Uh, uh, you know, like, like it'll never work. That's not how we've always done it before. You know, like now that you've proven that this approach is, is, is viable and it brings, or the other, the other, uh, the, the other cultural objection, which is uh, it'll never pay for itself, right? Like the ROI is never going to be there. This is just a trick for getting me to spend more money. Um, you know, <laughs> All those things, like you, like you've kind of gotten through all that now, right? So now you can say this is better, and we can roll on to other to other things. For, for sure, and actually, that 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 ROI and we like to call it value proposition, right? Um, that's right. obviously also a, a, a huge driver in, in everything we do. And yeah, we can automate anything and collect all the data we want, but if we're just doing it for the sake of automating and collecting data. That's not providing value, right? It's it, it needs right, to, to right, have that right. value, and as long as it has that value proposition, as long as we're doing things more efficiently and 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 at a cheaper cost um, to the customer, I mean, it, it, it's a win-win, right? Um, and that's it's not a sure, battle to fight sure. anymore at all, right? We just got to prove that yeah. to, to all of our customers, right? Right, right, right. So, um, so well. It, all, all you got to do is take everybody on a tour of the of the war room, and and then they'll be they're persuaded. They see what what could ever what could stop us, you know. Now that we see what Brent is able to do in his in his uh, command <laughs> my, center, my evil lair. <laughs> we call the war room. Sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Good. So so it's a good story, um, and uh, we're probably we're probably at that time where we ought to wrap it wrap it up, or else. Uh, uh, people might change the channel. So Brent Coom, thank you for uh, making time today. Uh, and uh, I know, uh, and, and thanks for, thanks for standing in for that other schlub who left you here uh, to, uh, to, to finish telling the story. Hopefully he's doing well. And it uh, sounds like you guys are doing, are, are doing great. It sounds like you're not um, like, like busy is good, right? Like you're busy. B- busy is good. Busy is good. It's a good problem to have for sure. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. The listeners can't see that. The listeners can't see this, of course, but I can see how tired you look. So, uh, so you you must be working a lot. All right, I'm gonna let you get back to it. Thanks, Brent. I appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you very much. Come back next week for yet another exhilarating expedition into the very real world of the best digital doers in the oil and gas industry. A production of the Oil and Gas Global Network. Learn more at oggn.com.